morning, church. Oh, come on. You got to be more chipper than that this morning. Good morning. morning. It's so good to see you. All of you just look so beautiful and lovely and showered and so glad that you're here. It's been a, you know, fairly uneventful week in America. So uh, you decided to come to church. I'm glad. You know, um, that was a joke, by the way, when I said it's been an uneventful week. It's been full of events. Uh, in my house this week, um, we had a little bit of work done that I had been putting off. And uh, we've been in this house for 10 years now, and so it's, it was past time to have it done. And so for most of the week, there was banging, loud banging, and I'm trying to work. And um, the banging subsided around Thursday, just in time for us to get our niece and nephew Um, who is two and Samantha, how old are you? Four going on 16, if you know what I mean. And um, so they've been staying with us. And then Jonathan, of course, is over there. Jonathan is 13, our niece and nephew. So we've been watching them. It's been fun today. Carrie and I have gotten to be uh, pastors and parents of small kids simultaneously. So uh, that's exciting. It's been a fun week. Also, I walked into the auditorium and uh, I saw a few people that I've, that we go back, you know, pre the Exchange Church. Carrie and I came from a place in College Station, Texas, you know, as a Covenant Family Church. It's now shifted to Skybreak. Um, and, and you've met a few of our friends along the way that have shown up, popped in and popped out. Well, this morning we have two families. I don't even know if they knew they were both coming at the same time, but they both served on our eKids team. Carrie and I were children's pastors and youth pastors. And I won't, I won't take too much time, but I just got to say, Logan, wave at us, Logan. Logan was, um, we babysat this kid, this man over here. And uh, he was maybe, I don't know, very, very young too. And uh, when we were his children's pastor, and then of course we have Josiah and Jaden over here. I know they don't want me to inter- embarrass them, but again, their mom, Jeanette and, and Tammy were on our team. And so th- this is family. So it's kind of exciting to have these people with us joining today. Anyway, I just wanted to give them a, a hello, good morning. And I'm so glad you're here. Listen, if you're new to the Exchange Church, I want to remind you Uh, that the Exchange Church is a place where purpose is awakened and developed. It's a place where we're not just trying to put on a program. We're trying to not just build a big church. We're trying to build big people. And we believe that inside of you, there is purpose. There is something locked inside of every single person. God has placed destiny inside of you. And so our goal in, in this ministry is to pull that out of you. And sometimes that feels great and sometimes it's hurtful for everyone involved because growing is is tough amen but we just love people and we're so glad that you're here if this is your first or second time uh, please catch us you know out out in the hallway six feet away mask air fist bump whatever it is that makes you feel comfortable we're fine with that we just want you to know that you are in a place um, that very quickly can become family and a support to you no matter how old you are no matter how much money you have, no matter who you voted for, this is a place you can call home, okay? Uh, Today I'm beginning, not beginning, I'm continuing a series called Binge Reading the Bible, and this is part three. Uh, The last two Sundays have been fun for me. I've enjoyed it. My goal 
in this series was to take you at 40,000 feet high and kind of arc the Bible from Genesis to Revelation so that you can kind of see where the Bible is going. You know, sometimes we like to just Google a verse to support what we want the Bible to say. And so we'll lean on that verse, not understanding the overall context. And so my goal the last two weeks, and I'll continue on even today, this message was planned uh, weeks and weeks ago before I understood what the election was going to unfold for our country and the hearts of, of people uh, in our nation. And so I think it's a very fitting sermon today, what we're going to talk about. And I want to talk to you not about the first five books, which was the Pentateuch. We talked about the Pentateuch, which means what? Five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And then after uh, that, we hit another book, a group of books called the history books. I'm not going to talk to you about history today, although that was fun. Today, I want to talk to you about the wisdom books, the wisdom books. Father, we come before you today. God, I thank you. God, I thank you for what you're doing in the hearts of your people. God, I thank you that people came today to hear from you. And so, Father, I ask that you would take the words that are spoken today. God, that the words in Scripture will come alive to our hearts, Father, that we will grow and we will understand you more fully, see you more clearly. In Jesus' name I pray. Let the church say amen. Amen. Y'all seem a little tired today, a little non-reactive. That's okay. I can work with that. I just, I'm not sure uh, if you're going to get as much out of the sermon if you don't lighten up a bit. Tim, I'm talking to you. So, no, T Tim's my friend. I, I do want to remind everybody that we have a ton of kids in the room, and that is A-okay. We understand during this, this uh, decade of 2020 that church looks different right? It looks a little bit different. So eKids ministry is not functioning down the hall. eKids ministry is like in the room and every parent is a volunteer in our eKids ministry. So if you have small kids like my wife and I do this morning, um, please know that your, your kids being a little loud is okay. Do you know what I mean? When you go to your family's house for Thanksgiving, you don't have to leave the room because your baby's fussy. You just take care of your baby with your family there. And that's exactly what this church service is. We're family, okay? Now, if it gets too bad, you're, you're welcome to step outside, but I just wanna invite you just to do life together with us, okay? I want you to hear everything that the Lord has for us today. So we're talking about wisdom books. I only have a few minutes today. Their wisdom books are also called the poetry books. And though it sounds nothing like green eggs and ham, we can call it poetry. The five wisdom books of the Bible are Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. Uh, these books are also known uh, to highlight the spiritual and practical insights from God's people throughout history. How many of you today feel like a little bit of wisdom would do you some good? All right, no matter what you're facing today, some people maybe you're sitting here feeling really good. You don't have any, you know, high stakes decisions at the moment that you have to make. Or maybe you just came out of some high stakes decisions like 
moving home or moving career or adding family, whatever the high stakes decisions are for you. If you're not in one right now, you're about to find another one just around the corner because high stakes decisions tend to come pretty often. And so we need the wisdom of God as we are traversing through the paths of life. And that's why I love these five books from Job all the way to Song of Solomon. Now, the last two um, sections of scripture, I've given you kind of a one sentence description of each book. Would you like that again? Good, I'm glad. The book of Job, Job, J-O-B. No, it's not Job. It is Job. Satan attacks a righteous man named Job, and Job and his friends argue about why terrible things are happening to him. If you've never read the book of Job, I would encourage you to do so. It sounds nothing like poetry, right? It, it may be a, a poem gone bad, right? It is this overwhelmingly sad history of a man who loved God and everything was taken and his friends were encouraging him to curse God, but Job stood the test of time. Job understood something that I think Christians today would do well to understand. I was talking to someone recently and we were in a mentoring session and we, we were throwing around some ideas and kind of one of, the, one of these thoughts hit me, Christians, we need to learn how to suffer well. I think we've got that blessing thing down. Can I, come on, can I get some support from somebody today? You know how to handle God's blessing, right? When you get that pay raise and you get, you know, that kid actually finally gets it, the light bulb comes on or, or you get that, that, that relationship restored. We can do well with God's blessing, but I wonder how well you and I can do at the end of the day when there's nothing left but suffering. We do understand as Christians, right, that this gospel is a suffering gospel. Yes, there are blessings. Yes, there is prosperity. Yes, there is healing. Yes, God wants to give you the desires of your heart. And especially today, I hope you leave this service feeling just really filled with hope. But the reality is just because we suffer doesn't mean that God's not good or that we are far from him. In fact, most often in the suffering valleys of our life, we find ourselves closest to him because he's close to the brokenhearted. He is quick to rush into those dark areas of our life where we've tried to maintain it on our own and we've tried to make everything work and we realize at some point that we just can't do it. We can't do it on our own and we're left with suffering. Job is a great read. It helps you to understand that there's purpose behind suffering. It helps you to understand that this life is but a vapor. It helps you to understand that your eternity has already started today. The moment you said yes to Jesus, eternity began for you. Unfortunately, we sometimes as Christians like to, you know, section things off and say, this is my human life and I can't wait until I start eternity. Newsflash, eternity has already started for you. 
The same spirit that said yes to Jesus inside of you, once this fleshly body dies, it's not going anywhere but straight to heaven. It continues the journey on. So the suffering that you and I encounter today is just solidifying the fact that God is ever faithful. He's ever present in our time of need, and he is fully able to meet us right where we are. That's the book of Job. You know, John 16, 33, Jesus tells us that in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I can't help when I find myself in moments of suffering because pastors suffer too. I ask the Lord, what are you trying to teach me? What is it that I have held on so tightly that I've not trusted you in? What, what, what is it that you want me to learn from this experience? I, I do know this. It is absolutely guaranteed that every human, if you have a heartbeat and you have you know, lungs and you're breathing air, you're going to experience trials and troubles and tribulation. Jesus promised it. By the way, he wasn't talking about the great tribulation at the end of the age. He's talking about every human that ever lives is going to experience tribulation. Like, don't fight it. I, Carrie and I will often, you know, say to ourselves, we'll have a really awful day. And she'll look at me and say, hey, it's okay. Tomorrow can't be this bad. It can only get better, right? We've learned to embrace the things that we feel like the Lord is bringing our way or bringing us to so that we can overcome them, understanding that we are always stronger on the other side. Always stronger on the other side. The book of Job is a great read. Whether you're happy or depressed at the moment, it will be an encouragement to you. The next wisdom book is Psalms, P-S-A-L-M-E-S, Psalms. Now, this is confusing because if you were to say Psalms 3, there's no S at the end. What'd I say? No, I did not. I can't blame that one on dyslexia, can I? Well, I won't blame it on the fact that I'm an Aggie, all right? P-S-A-L-M-S, Psalms. Psalms is the, the, the name for the collection of songs. But if you're talking about Psalm 3, Psalm 4, Psalm 10, you drop the S at the end, okay? I'm just helping you be a little more Bible literate today. So you don't have to say Psalms 15, it's Psalm 15. You can be confident in this. How many of you, whenever you've said the word Psalms, you're like, is there an S? Is there not an S? I'm so confused. Well, now, now you know. What is Psalms? Psalms is a collection of 150 songs that Israel sang to God and to each other, kind of like a hymnal for the ancient Israelites. So if you were to go to the book of Psalms, interestingly enough, you can see some correlation in the timeline of the history of man, particularly, which I won't go into this today, maybe I could talk about this on a Wednesday night where we talk about uh, end-time Bible prophecy. We've been breaking that down. And, and talk, this past week, we addressed angels and angel, angelic encounters. Uh, but the book of Psalms is quite interesting when you parallel it to the 1900s. And you can see how it's almost prophetic over uh, our generation. So I won't go into that. Just know that each psalm could have been written by someone different. A lot of us think that only David wrote the psalms. That's not actually true. Dr David wrote 73 of them. He wrote most of them. 
Um, Asaph, David's worship leader, wrote 12 of them. Uh, Sons of Korah, it was a major Levite family uh, at that time. They wrote 11 of the Psalms. So, you know, it's like family ministry, doing ministry together. That's awesome. Uh, Then there were about 50 of the Psalms. They're they're known as orphan Psalms, meaning they don't know who the author is. Um, And then there are minor contributors that we have Solomon, Moses, Ethan, and He-Man. He-Man, not to be confused with the 1970s cartoon character He-Man that I grew up with, but He-Man wrote a Psalm as well. Then after Psalms, we have Proverbs. Proverbs. Proverbs is a collection of sayings written to help people make wise decisions that bring about justice. Our world is all about uh, justice, and it's really great that uh, we go to the book of Proverbs to understand biblical justice. Biblical justice doesn't really look like social justice, but biblical justice will result in social justice. So it's understanding the difference and understanding how God uses justice that brings around true lasting change. Then after Proverbs, we have Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is a a philosophical exploration of the meaning of life. Um, it's, It's somewhat nihilistic in its writing. It's quite odd when you look at the totality of the Bible. It doesn't quite seem to fit. Um, if you just take portions of Ecclesiastes. So as your pastor, I'll give you fair warning. Um, you don't want to proof text out of Ecclesiastes, meaning just pick a verse that sounds good and stand on it. You have, you have to um, read the beginning to the end of Ecclesiastes. So you, once you understand the total book of Ecclesiastes, then you understand the parts much different than the book of Psalms or Proverbs. You can understand the part separately from the whole. Do you understand what I'm saying? All right. Um, Ecclesiastes, yeah, I don't encourage you to read that book if you're depressed. (laughs) Specifically, what, what is so odd about this book is it seems to be very void of Jesus being the true meaning of life. Now, of course, this is pre-New Testament, of course, but we see Jesus in the Old Testament everywhere, Jesus. Almost every chapter of the Bible, you see Jesus in the Old Testament. However, in Ecclesiastes, the writer of Ecclesiastes is formulating the meaning of life based, I don't know what that is, but can I fix it somehow? Do y'all hear that or just me? Does it annoy you like it does me? All right, I'll keep going then. Ecclesiastes, um, where was I going with this? She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. She'll, what'd I say? Oh, yeah, that's good. Because the writer of Ecclesiastes, it, it, he bases the meaning of life solely on experience, right? Experience and not on the word of God, like not on the precepts of God. And so there, there is a lot to be gained from Ecclesiastes when you read the entire book, but you can be, uh, gosh, thrown off course if you read small sections. I hope this is making sense to you. The reason Ecclesiastes is included in the canon, the, the inerrant word of God, is because fundamentally it shows the glory of God. It shows the fullness and power of the Holy Spirit, but you have to read it in its entirety for that to make sense to you. Then you have Song of Solomon. A Song of Solomon is a love song 
or a collection of love songs celebrating love, desire, and marriage. If you've ever read that, you know you've read it. Um, there are many places within this section of the Bible. I've only got a few minutes left, so I, I, I pulled out a couple of verses that really communicate the essence of the wisdom books. You know, I did that for the history books, and I did that for the Pentateuch, and we kind of looked at one major theme, kind of a thread that runs through them all. Um, and this obviously is talking about wisdom, but Proverbs 9.10 tells us what it means to attain wisdom, to get wisdom. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And here we see that the most important trail we have or to have when seeking wisdom in your daily life is the fear of the Lord. Something that we completely underestimate at worst and at best probably don't fully understand. Many of us grew up potentially in a religious order that lets you think the fear of the Lord is being afraid of him. And that's not the fear of the Lord. It's not about fulfilling certain religious duties and rights and making sure everything looks just right and you, you speak just right and you, all, of, all of the just rights, right? The fear of the Lord is understanding that there is not an area of my life that he doesn't step into. There's not an area of my life that he isn't concerned with. And casual Christianity, by the way, church, newsflash, casual Christianity is no longer going to make church work. Casual Christianity would simply tell you that the fear of the Lord is just acknowledging that God could peek into the room if he wanted to peek into the room, but I'll keep the door closed unless he knocks and asks to see. But let me just tell you something. God's not renting any rooms. He just won't stay if he doesn't own the house. The fear of the Lord isn't about being afraid that he's going to strike you down or that you're making the wrong decision. The fear of the Lord is just living a life of reverence to him, understanding the greatness of our God, understanding the love of our God and the mercy of our God. It's it's not only understanding his capabilities, but understanding there's no place in our life that's off limits for him. I'll give you some examples. Our past is not off limits. He sees it all, he knows it all, and he loves you anyway. And God is, God is the one person who actually knows everything about me all of my weaknesses, all of the fleeting thoughts that I push away, all of my insecurities, all of my fears. Like, he's the one that knows it all about you. And he's the one that keeps saying yes. Day in, day out. Did you know that every morning he chooses you all over again? And, and I know we like to we like to hide, right? We like to hide be, behind our good little Christian facade. We like to hide behind our Instagram-worthy post. We're having a great time on vacation. Look at all this food. Look at my two-piece bathing Well, I shouldn't be wearing a two-piece bathing suit, but <laughs> I should. Anyway. <laughs> we, we like to project an image to the world, right? 
That, that's what society does. We project the best of us and we hide the worst of us, but that's not the gospel. The gospel says whatever we hide will grow. Whatever we keep in darkness will gain traction and momentum in our life. What we expose and bring to the light, it gets stripped of its power in our life. This is why scripture tells us, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. Not so that you may be forgiven. I have no authority to forgive you. You can't forgive me. Oh, but when you tell a brother or you tell a sister what you're going through, you rob that thing of the power and the hold that it has on you. Godly wisdom begins when fear is perfected. I want to read. I'm going to, because we have kids, I want to take a break. Will you all just stand with me real quick? This is our our main text, and I want to do something I haven't done. I don't even remember the last time I did this, but I want to do an old-fashioned, traditional call and response. I want to read verse 1, and I'll have you read verse 2, 3, 4. Can we do that together? All right. I, I want to take you to what I believe encapsulates the heart of the wisdom books, and that's Proverbs 3. Verses 1 through 8. I'll start and you continue on the next. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Very good. You may be seated. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. This is the overwhelming thrust of the wisdom books. It is you don't know as much as you think you know. You don't see as much as you think you see. You don't feel as much as you think you feel. You don't understand as much as you think you understand. So don't lean on your own understanding because there is a power greater than you, greater than me, an authority that you and I can rest in, that we can be sure in. And this is what the wisdom books will tell you over and over and over. Lean not into your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him. This acknowledge him isn't a, hey, Jesus, glad you're still here today. It's a, Lord, what do you think about this? Lord, what do you think about this job opportunity? Lord, help me with my teenager. Lord, help me with this situation. Lord, help me with this career. Like acknowledging Jesus in all of our steps means we give him place to do what only Jesus can do. Our day-to-day experiences in life are tied to the ability to make decisions and assess the consequences of those decisions. Meaning, A lot of what we would deem or call wisdom really just is knowledge from our history. 
we learn as we interact with people, as we make decisions, we learn what to do to get the outcome we want or what not to do to get the outcome that we want. You see, you brought to the auditorium this morning a whole bunch of baggage. A whole bunch, like five big U-Hauls pulled up with you today because you brought with you everything in your past that you've interacted with, everything that you've made a decision on, whether it's been confirmed or denied based on the outcome that you wanted. You have assessed the situations and come to the conclusion that you understand. So maybe fear of the Lord is saying, God, I thank you for the encounters, the experiences, and the wisdom, and the progress. But I need you today more than I've ever needed you before a day in my life. Because I can only see what I think I can see. I can only understand what I think I can understand. And listen, I get it. I'm, just, I'm, I'm right there with you. We are so confident, aren't we, in what we think. We are just absolutely certain that what we perceive is the way it is. The church we see dimly. Scripture says there will be a day when we will see him face to face and we will see him for who he is and we will be known for who we truly are. But for today, we see very dimly. Last night, I was trying to order tickets for my nephew and my two boys to go to the movies. And I was on my phone and I asked, Addison was going to be the driver. I told her I'd pay if she took them. And uh, I, I was like, well, what seats do you want? And I handed her my phone and she said, we want G1 or G5 through G9. She handed me back the phone. I said, I don't, they don't there's not a G on here. And she was like, yeah, dad, it's right there. I thought it was just a little green dot. I didn't see that there were actually G rows with numbers are you with me my ability to perceive told me one thing but just because I perceive something to be a reality doesn't mean it's reality reality is reality and some of us need to know that because we've been looking in the mirror every day saying that we're not good enough We've been looking in the mirror every day saying that nobody's going to want us or we can't add value to community or we can't do this or we can't do that. I'm here to tell you, God has sent me here today to tell you that you're not looking at what the reality is. You're just looking through your lens, through your perspective. There is, I believe, I believe coming to the church a revival of understanding where eyes are opened eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit of God is doing, not just in America, but all across the world. All right. Lean not to your own understanding. I'm, I'm going to wrap up with a clip. I want to show you a clip from a movie that I think just illustrates perfectly what you and I need to do when it comes to trusting the Lord, leaning not to our own understanding. Please take a look at this clip from Despicable Me. Ah! 
are going to have to jump. Jump? Are you insane? Don't worry, I will catch you. You gave us back. I know, I know, and it is the worst mistake I ever made. But you have to jump now. It'll be okay. Okay, girls. I will catch you, and I will never let you go again. It didn't make any sense. They trusted and they jumped. And I want to say to you today, some of us need to trust the Lord and it's time to jump. It's time to jump. Father, we come before you today. God, I thank you that Romans 10, 9 tells us that if we declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart, that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. So God, in this moment, God, we just want to take that time. You've been speaking to us. You've been drawing us. You've been calling us. And while everyone is praying right now, your heads are bowed. If there's anyone in the room or watching online, you're ready to make Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior. You're ready to say yes. You, you understand that Jesus, the Son of God, was sent to die on a cross for you and I so that we could be in relationship with him. And you're tired of running. You've tried it your own way and you're done. If that's you, no one's looking around. Why don't you just raise your hand, make eye contact with me so I know who I'm praying for. If that's you, you're ready to say yes to Jesus. Just lift up that hand. Okay, thank you. Anyone else? If you're watching online and you're ready to make that decision, just do something of faith. Put your hand over your heart. Do some action to signal that you're ready to say yes to Jesus. So church, in support of the people who are ready to make Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior today, will you please all repeat after me? Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. I believe that he rose again, that he conquered death, hell, and the grave. I believe that I'm a child of God. From this day forward, my life will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you just said that prayer today, you meant it in your heart, I want you to text NEXT, N-E-X-T, to 
512-980-1220. Also, if you didn't just say that prayer, but you want to grow and you want to watch some videos on understanding the Bible more, feel free also to text NEXT, N-E-X-T, to 512-980-1220. We love you guys. God bless you.